podcast brought to you by Team Corker featuring our CEO, Bro. It still feels really weird when you introduce me like that. Somebody said that you should be the CBO, the Chief Bro Officer. Oh, I like that. I'm into that. <laughs> I also am into CEO. Let's be honest. I can own that title. You own it. It's perfect. Yeah. We need you. Well, you own Founder in such a beautiful way. And okay. I love being a Founder-led company. We are a Founder-led team. Uh, bro. Hi. How's it going? You know what? I feel really great. It's now been almost a full month since I've been back in Vancouver. And getting back into the swing of things is like, I love it. I love working with our clients. I love making sure that we're creating new experiences for our clients to get connected, to understand what really makes them tick, and to be in the real conversation. Well, speaking of real conversation, I love it when you come back from these yoga teacher trainings because you always have such great stories that seem like they're myopically focused on something that has occurred, and yet it seems so relevant to the bigger picture, to life, to to work, to relationships. And there was one specific story you had about um, the end of the yoga teacher training and some feedback. Mm-hmm. Let's call it the F word. And I would love you to share how that occurred. So... I want you to know that there, I attended two different uh, experiences, one in Greece with Semperviva and one in Italy with the Sacred Fig. And for those of you who know, I love, I'm a faculty member on the Sacred Fig's teacher trainings in Bali. Um, Man, if you're looking for a way to become a yoga teacher, like these are the best experiences I've ever had. and I continue to go back. I think Anton and the faculty he brings together literally change people's lives in a month. And so all that is just context and also to describe, you know, my love of the sacred fig. And um, we were in Italy and this one participant, and to, for context, we're all teachers attending this training. So it's an advanced teacher, teacher training. And um, this one teacher, who was participating in the program, came up to me and was like, hey, I have some feedback for some of the leaders and I want you to give it to to them because you have a closer relationship with them. And my first instinct was, no, like I'm not your messenger. I'm not here to give the news to my quote unquote friends because I'm quote unquote their friend. I am really passionate about making sure people who have feedback give the feedback they when it's someone's feedback they're able to give it with more color they're able to provide more personal examples and they're a little bit more intentional with the language so that the feedback actually lands or comes across in a little bit more of an authentic way well I think to your point bro just to interrupt it's like giving writing a comment anonymously on the internet or saying something to someone's face. And so speaking of intentional language, the language that you would use to give feedback to someone's face, would you type that and hide behind an anonymity? Um, And we like anonymity. We like being able to provide constructive feedback or our opinion when we don't like something in the safety of anonymity. mm -hmm. That's why we ask for feedback surveys at the end of an event. 
That's why organizations do anonymous employee surveys, because holding people accountable for their opinion, be it positive or negative, is scary, because you actually have to be accountable for your thoughts, you have to be accountable for your behaviors, you have to be accountable for the impact that those thoughts and behaviors have on another human. Well, when was the last time you sent someone flowers with no card? Hmm. When do we do nice things with anonymity? Totally. Anyway, and, that's a tangent. Yeah. The surprise and delight. Holy cow. Yeah. And feedback can be a surprise and delight because it's like it you can weren't... be positive. Well, you're... Um, I would say like feedback is usually used for correction and recognition is uh. used for the promotion or continuation of an activity. Mm, good distinction. And so... Because people are like, it's positive feedback. I'm like, let's just call a spade a spade in the name of this world. When we hear the word feedback, no one thinks it's a gift, even though like all the HR professionals want you to believe that. So (laughs) true. Anyway, so this is on like day two. And so nothing comes of it. No feedback is given. And in my conversation with this individual, I was like, you know, my perspective is if you have feedback, do you want some help running through the feedback? Like, do you want to have some time to workshop the words that you want to say or get clarity on your feedback so it doesn't come out jumbled or um, uh, misleading or misconstrued. And also, or do I just need to give you the courage to be like, give yourself 10 seconds of absolute courage and then ask for the, them to come away and, and have a private conversation? And nothing came of it. And this person slowly started to recruit other people who also had the same feedback. To, and it led up to a point where um, a, two or three people in the group had feedback and they hid behind a moderator. And I was like, I can't believe, one, I was like, wow, I really didn't do my job in stopping the feedback or like following up with the person to make sure that the conversation went well because I didn't think I needed it. And... What a great excuse to not be 100% responsible for the feedback escalating the way it was. And they came together and they hid behind a moderator and the conversation didn't go as planned. The person receiving the feedback didn't enjoy, didn't um, operate from a best because all of a sudden there's, it's the last full day of training and they're getting all this information that they can't really do anything about now. Like it's too late. Right. And it's all said in the collective we. And it's all said in generalities without providing specifics. And so not only do I feel like it wasn't delivered in an appropriate way, it wasn't actually received in a way that you could do anything about it. So it was like feedback became a vent session or a bitch session if I was to use the B word, you know? Can I just ask, do you think that feedback should only be given if it can be corrected? I think that feedback, whoa, great question. Should feedback only be given if it can be something corrected? Now, one of the, the practices I would... I'm just qualifying, yeah. so for our friends, because you said that it was given at a point where they couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So that's what sparks the question. Yeah, great question. In this specific example, there's definitely feedback for next time uh, that could be valuable. Fair. But in terms of like my experience, it's the sixth day of seven days. It's not going to change overnight. Right. So there is that um, piece of it. What I would say is that feedback is most valuable when it's taken out of preference. Meaning if I can say... Um, 
the difference of telling someone, I don't like your hair color versus your, um, your, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not about your performance. You're like, this is the hair color I was born with. Like, I can dye my hair, but it's about your personal preference um, versus something that I could actually change. Like, oh, the way you're presenting yourself in this meeting is disorganized because you said um a lot and your notes were misconstrued on the table. Fair. I don't like the clothes you're wearing. I don't like, like, personal preference right. doesn't always provide the most impactful feedback. Fair. And you can be discerning and say, you know, my personal preference preference is also in line with brand standards and all of that. But I would say if it's not, if it's just personal preference for the sake of personal preference, then like it doesn't change anything for a project or an initiative, then keep it to yourself. Unless asked. Hey, I want your personal preference or give me Mm. your opinion on X, Y, or Z. Mm. Um, More to come on the asking. And so for me, I was like, I walked away from that experience, not only head over heels in love with the training because it was so freaking remarkable, but also so committed to sharing some of the best practices around giving and receiving feedback. And the first one that I always think about is permission. The notion of like, can I give you feedback now? Mm -hmm. And allowing the person to say no. Right. Because that parameter of like, wow, I don't actually want to receive feedback right now. Yeah. I remember I was working at UBC at the, um, in my career and I was running graduation for UBC for all of the students from an alumni affairs perspective. And my boss walked up one day and started talking to me about what we could do better And I was like deep in the like execution of it running from point A to point B. And I looked at him and I was like, let's save this for our debrief. Like, this is not the moment when we need to check and adjust. Like the ship is running, let it run its course. We can evaluate it afterward. And it was an interesting, we had a comment conversation afterwards, like the value of giving feedback in moments that the people can hear it. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just, uh, you're talking for the sake of talking. Right. Because you're, person listening isn't actually going to listen to you so if you're actually committed to changing behavior if you're actually committed to seeing the the end result be different asking for permission before you give feedback will be incredibly valued to pressure test is this person ready yeah the second piece that i thought of was objective feedback in the name of um Everyone is thinking this versus myself and one other person are Mm. thinking this. Um, We never do things like this or we should always do it this way. Mm. Like that's not actually helpful when we speak in superlatives. It's really helpful to get concrete objective. What is actually going on and what's your personal opinion or what's your experience of what's going on? Mm -hmm. This person and this person had a conversation my experience of it is they're talking behind my back. They're da 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 da. Like they're make, you make up a story. We all make up stories about objective facts. And when we can separate the story from the facts, we can actually give feedback way more intentionally around what are the facts and what the facts need to shift. And then the third one was 
it's in our manager start line and it's part of the model we provide with feedback was the last piece of feed of a feedback conversation is the person is left inspired to change like they're left oh i love that so much it's like at the end of this conversation you're more committed to yes. doing a good job thank you and i'm like man if every feedback conversation was ended with this moment of like and I know we can do it. We're commit, like we're on the same team, or uh, whatever. It's so um, situational specific that I wouldn't want to be like, "This is how to end all your conversations." Of course, of course. Yet at the same time, it's like this moment of like, when I give you feedback, I don't want you to just feel like I shit on you and then left. Left totally. It's like okay, I care enough to give you feedback, and I care enough to be with you through the journey to see it be a different way. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. So, you know, naturally, when I look back on the the trip, I, and even in this past month, it's really been, you know, what feedback have I been withholding? Mm. What have I been like squirreling away for a little too long? Mm. But, and it's now time for me to give the feedback. Right. And then how can I give it with permission, ob- objectively? And in a way that leaves the person, leaving the receiver of the feedback, inspired to actually take action on it in a way that, like, most people are like, oh, they're just going to act negatively about it. It's like, then that's on you. Right. Like, you haven't hosted the conversation in a way that that person can actually hear you. Yeah. And so, yes, it takes two to tango, but man, it takes one to be responsible for your life. <laughs> that's a truth bomb. Um. What comes up for me is fear, fear in giving feedback. Yeah. And that might be to somebody more senior. Mm. Um, it might be to someone you really care about. It might be to someone who, I mean, I guess if they're not open, you don't give them feedback. So that's good consent. Um, but let's talk about working through the, the fear. Obviously there was fear with your example because it's like, I feel better with an army. I feel better in a tribe. Um, how can you be solely responsible and what are your tips for processing or working through the fear, bro? You know, my only practice that I personally practice that has allowed me to quelch some of that inner dialogue around, you're going to get it wrong. They're going to overreact. It's not going to go well. You should probably just shut up and like carry on. Don't make this a big deal is approaching the conversation or approaching the person and saying, I need to have a conversation with you and I'm scared that it's going to go wrong Mm. or I'm nervous about how to say this properly and actually vocalizing and like presencing, like, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm nervous about this. And then all of a sudden I notice a shift in the way the person listens because no one wants to like, Oh great. I want you to screw this conversation up. Like most people in this world, are like, oh, okay, like, let's, like, I'll listen with a little bit more compassion or I'll yeah. listen with a little bit more, like, curiosity because all of a sudden we've admitted we're afraid. Right. We've admitted we're probably going to get it wrong. Right. And for me, it's in that action, that alone is the most courageous piece. Yeah. Because it not only nullifies the fear because we hear it verbally out loud and then our brain, uh, that, like, our highest version of ourselves listens to that and is like, uh, you can do this. Like you've got this. So not only do we get over the fear once we say I'm scared, we also create an environment for the other person to hear us differently. Yeah. 
beautiful. That's a really awesome tip. Really, really great. And what about, um, I don't know if this has come up for you. Sometimes in getting feedback, you might not have an answer or a desire for things to be, or be able to articulate how you want them to be different. And I think the catch is we just assume the opposite. Mm. I don't like it when you leave the kitchen messy. So you assume that means that every time I'm in there, it needs to be clean. Right. So what if I don't know how to articulate the new future that I would like, but I know that I'm not liking the feedback is I don't like the current. How do you, how do you help me create my new request? Man, that's a good one. Let's use the kitchen example. In one version, it's... Pause. We're using the kitchen example because everything that you teach us about all of the letters of the alphabet, the F word included, feedback, is so relevant at work. It's relevant on a yoga teacher training, and it's super relevant at home with your partner in the kitchen. And I think this is a really great example, so I look forward to what you have to tell me. <laughs> well, I think they're... So for giving, like, giving feedback without an ideal outcome associated with it, one is you could spend the time and actually create that ideal situation before you go in so that you do have a clear request. Oftentimes we jump so far ahead into like, I need to be in conversation. I need to be in action. And we're like, what is actually, what am I actually requesting? What do I actually want to change or be different? Yeah. So like option one, press pause, create it. Option number two is create it with the person that you're giving the feedback to. Be like, here's the situation that I don't like. I don't like when the kitchen is dirty. And so I actually am having this conversation with you so that we can figure out how we keep the kitchen clean. Beautiful. And so it's like, I don't need to back down from the fact that like the kitchen is dirty and you're the one who makes it the dirtiest. And I want to be in it with you. Like, what do you need from me? What do I need to know about why the kitchen is dirty? Because I may also be oblivious to the fact that I always notice the kitchen is dirty on Tuesdays and Monday nights are your busiest night and you come in and make a late night snack for yourself and you forget to clean up because you're actually being really nice and you're leaving the lights off and that's why the sesame seed bagels are everywhere. Like whatever it is, you know? Totally. Um, and so the next option is like co-create it because in that co-creation you may learn something new about the root cause yeah. of why that the action is the action. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to just question on is pausing to take the time is a beautiful thing. And how long is a suitable amount of time to pause or really like how long, how long should you hold on to feedback for bro? Don't go to bed with it. That's a great day. Like it's one of these things. And sometimes people are like, I need to sleep on it. And so like totally legit. I hear that. You have one sleep. Like you have one it. sleepover. Like this is a great one night stand with feedback. Like right. enjoy it. Dream about it. Do whatever you need to do about it. And then it's done. And then it's done. Like there's no reason because even if it's like this thing happened on Monday and it's now Thursday, like there's too many times for that conversation to have occurred between then and now. There's maybe other emails or other meetings or other interactions in the kitchen that have happened and that conversation went unspoken. Yeah. And the, the issue with the unspoken feedback is that usually the people we work with 
most often the people that we love or live with, like they know something's not being said. Totally. They know, they know. We think we're so good at hiding it and pretending like everything's okay and they know. Yeah. My husband is the best like champion of the unspoken conversation. He walks into a room with me and he's like, what do we need to talk about? And I'm like, oh gosh, here's it all. <laughs> Beautiful. And it's like, that's yes. a gift yeah. because he articulates what needs to be said and he doesn't know what, what the conversation is. Yeah. And for us, when we give feedback, it's like, not only do we need to tune in to be like, am I creating the space for myself to be like, I'm open for feedback. So like, when's the last time I've asked for feedback from my team? When's the last time I've asked if I, if there's anything on my partner's mind, like, mm. how are we doing? You know, like those things are the signal of I'm ready to hear the answer. Yeah. So like I'm giving you permission and giving you my consent to be in that conversation. Beautiful. And then the other piece is like make it messy. Say I'm scared to have this conversation and I know I need to have it anyway because I heard on the Corker podcast you should only have a one night stand with your feedback. Like so good. Use it as an like use it as a scapegoat. Use use this as your impetus to be like I need to be in the real conversation because I heard this one conversation today and it's told me to never wait more than 24 hours with feedback give it directly to the person give it immediately either in person or over the phone so that they can hear your tone give it objectively and then give it in a way that leaves them feeling inspired to change leave it out in a way that they feel your commitment to their success leave it in a way that they experience how the feedback gets them closer to their goals or the corporate vision like that's what people want in this world. Hot dang. Matt Corker intravenous feedback. Oh gosh. I'll okay. Never sleep with it. Let's wrap. Steph, what's making your heartbeat faster these days? Making my heartbeat faster. I am really into um, reading in the fall, cozy up by the fire, and I'm currently reading How Not to Die. And it's really shifting my relationship with food. Um, I've read a lot of books about plants and animals and what we're eating, but this one is really hitting home. And in fact, my man bought me the How Not to Die cookbook, which I'm equally really obsessed with. So check it out. Love it. What about you, bro? For me, I what's making my heart beat faster is version number four of That's My Jam. It's a Name That Tune-esque event that my good buddy Warren Springer and I host. And the next edition is coming up next Friday here in Vancouver. And we raise money for um, youth leadership and uh, physical education programs. Amazing. So we're really excited about it. Details below? Details below. Love it. Okay, awesome. Awesome.